me uh, talk a little bit about the fight. And I started in Romans chapter 13, verse 11, and it says, This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. And boy, I'd love to have a great big hourglass, you know, where the sand is just pouring through it and accumulating on the bottom. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And we know that's absolutely true beyond a shadow of a doubt. And it says here, the night is almost gone and the day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. Now, how many of y'all have dirty clothes? Do you carry them around with you for days and weeks? And you're going, what's that smell? That's my dirty clothes. No, when you've got dirty, stinky clothes, you want to take them off. You want to get rid of them, don't you? You know, I mean, not to burn them, but maybe so. But usually wash them, you know. But he says, so remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. Put them off and put on the shining armor of right living. And we will be eventually talking about this shiny armor of right living. That really changes our world. And he goes on to say in verse 13, because we belong to the, to the day. We belong to the day, not to the darkness. Oh, we're children of the light, children of the day. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. What a powerful witness and a testimony that is when people look at us and they're drawn to Christ by just watching our behavior. So it says here, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity. That's talking about sex outside of marriage. And he says, don't participate in immoral, which just means wicked, immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. He said in verse 14, Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Don't just sit around. The devil will lure us into just thinking about things that are improper to think about or, or to do, but just to dwelling on this and this and this. And he's trying to trap us, you see. The book of John, chapter 14, verse 20 says, and this is Jesus talking, he says, When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father. I'm in my Father, and you are in me. That's Jesus talking. I'm in my Father, and you're in me, and I am in you. So let me illustrate this. Here is Father God. And Jesus said, once he has risen from the dead, he said, I will be in my Father. So we look in here and we see who? Jesus. Now imagine if the devil could 
get through and penetrate God the Father. He can never do that. But if he did, he would find Jesus there. And if the devil could get through Jesus, which he cannot, you know, who's he going to find on the inside of Jesus? He's going to find me, you know. That's my name, in case you didn't know. Now, I don't make Susan call me Pastor Ron at, at, at home, you know. <laughs> my name was Ronnie, you know. That's what she calls me by. But if, if the devil could get through the Father, he'd find Jesus. If he could get through Jesus, he'd find me. And then if he penetrated me, if he could, which he can't, what's he going to find? He's going to find Jesus. That's what it says in this passage here. He says, when I'm raised to life again, you will know that, this is Jesus talking, I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. I'm talking about being clothed with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm in him, and he is in me. I'm just saturated with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, we put on his armor. And we put on the armor of God, we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. To be honest with you, that's the way it's supposed to be. So I am clothed in Christ. That's the best clothing to wear, to be honest with you. What about you? Are, are you? Have you put on the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you live in him? Is he in you? It says here in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, and we know that he is, who can be against us? Can anybody answer that question? Nobody can successfully be against us. Not be successful at being against us. Oh, they may be against us, they don't like us, but nobody can succeed. And it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He, talking about God the Father, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. You know, the sacrifice. How shall he not with him, with Jesus, also freely give us all things? Did you hear that? If the Father was willing to give us his son Jesus as a sacrifice to pay for our sins, won't he give us all other things? Jesus is the most important, the most valuable. And if he's going to give us his son and forgiveness and salvation, he says... Will he not also with him freely give us all things? All things, he says. All things. Can you pray about things and God can answer your prayers? Yes, yes is the answer to that. Bold and confident, yes. We can receive Christ as our Savior and the forgiveness he gives us. And he said, with Christ, the Father also gives us freely all things. He wants your needs to be met according to his riches and glory. That's what he said. And it says in verse 33, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who, can, who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, it is also, he is also risen. Jesus did not only die for us, but he rose from the dead for us. Who is even at the right hand, Jesus, who is even at the right hand of God, Jesus is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. 
You understand intercession. When we pray for a loved one or a family member, we're interceding for them. And the Bible says that Jesus is our intercessor. He is at, right, at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and for me. Now think about this for a moment. If Jesus was sitting beside his father and says, Father, I, I just want you to bless Ronnie down there, you know. I want you to bless him and her and them. Do you think the father would answer such a prayer from his son? Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. And he said, we can go to the father too. He said, Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's what I told him to do, you know. But we need to understand this is positive. This is not kind of an iffy stuff. We need to learn how to pray. And prayer is hard work. But we need to learn how to pray effective, powerful, life-changing kind of prayers. Because you can do that. You genuinely can. And he says here, you know, who is even talking about Jesus, who is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And then he goes on to say in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, trouble? Can tribulation separate you and me from Christ's love? No way. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril, which means danger or swords, it's talking about battles and war? Hmm. No. Listen to what he, he tells us in verse 37. He says, Yet in all these things, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. Not a conqueror. Conqueror is pretty good, ain't it? But a more than a conqueror. And then in another translation it says, where it says here, more than a conqueror, it says overwhelming victory is ours through him who loved us. But the best way to illustrate that, imagine when uh, Jesus stepped out on the battlefield, the devil stepped out of the battlefield, and Jesus beat the stuffings out of the devil when he rose from the dead. And then you and I are in Christ. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We put him on. He's in us. We have on the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, you know, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, loins girded with truth, the, our, our feet are shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We step out on the battlefield. Imagine a battlefield, like a football field. You step out on the battlefield. The devil steps out on the battlefield. He comes closer to you. And the closer he gets, you look just like Jesus. He goes, I'm out of here. He already beat the stuffings out of me. He already conquered me once. And when he sees Christ in you, you don't have to fight the battle. Not the same way that Christ did. See, you're more than a conqueror because you have on the armor. You're fully equipped and ready to engage, you know. And that's what he says right here. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. Talking about Jesus who loved us. Now, there's a lot of songs, you know, like... Uh, What's that one? On, onward Christian Soldiers, you know? And there's a lot of songs and scriptures about war and warfare and battles and, and fighting. Uh, songs and passages. And there, there's an old song we used to sing. Like, I'm going to stay on the battlefield. I'm going to stay on the battlefield. 
I'm going to stay on the battlefield until he comes. Well, that was just one. And, and so many songs that we would sing that would imply battles and fighting and things like that. And, and just so you know, if there's a battlefield, there is absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt an enemy. We have an enemy who does not like us at all. Corey Ten Boom, Boom said, the first step of the way to victory, on the way to victory, is the first step on the way to victory in any war is to recognize your enemy. Do you recognize our enemy? I mean, really? Do we recognize the devil and the tactics and the things he tries to do? Do we have the discernment to recognize, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Do we have that discernment? Do we recognize our enemy, you know? Think about it. Because if you can't recognize your enemy, he can do all kinds of things, and you don't recognize he's the bad guy, you know? There's another statement I came across, and it says, it is fatal to enter any war without the will to win it. I think the guy, you might know him, his name was General Douglas MacArthur. And he said, it's fatal to enter any war without the will to win it. Do you have the will to win a battle? If the enemy of our soul comes and tries to hurt you and your children and your loved ones, do you have the will to win such a battle? Or you just kind of go, I give up, you know, I surrender. Well, that's fatal. You, you, you lose the battle that way. Revelation chapter 12 verse 7 says, then there was war in heaven. Wow. Can you, can you believe that? There was actually war, battling going on in heaven. And it says Michael, he was that archangel, Michael, and the angels under his command, he was a good angel, fought the dragon. Hmm. Fought the dragon. You, you know who the dragon was? He's this fabulous looking kind of a serpent. Almost irresistible that you could hardly take your eyes off of. He was kind of iridescent. This dragon that Michael and his angels fought against. But, but he had this magnetism that you would want to stare at him. That's what he does today. And it's hard for us to discern, is that good or is that evil? But anyhow, it says, Michael and the angels under his command fought the dragon and his angels. Does anybody know when uh, Lucifer, you know, that was, that was the, the devil. He was this uh, awesome, fantastic angel in heaven. And he was called Lucifer he had like a pipe organ built in his chest. He had this wonderful music that would come forth. And uh, anyhow, he tried to usurp authority and raise his throne above God's. Do, do, do you know how many of the angels he drew out of heaven? One third. One third. Now, I'm not too good at math sometimes, so help me here. If he took out one third of the angels, how many did that leave in heaven? Now, is two-thirds a higher number than one-third? Absolutely is. Twice as many. And nowhere in my Bible does it ever say God stopped making angels either, you know? So, we see that 
here that this battle went on and Michael and his angels were, uh, you know, fighting this dragon and the dragon's angels, which was a third. All right, so the Lord had two thirds. And it says, and the dragon lost the battle. Yes. And he was forced out of heaven. He was forced out of heaven. And this great dragon, the, the ancient serpent, this fabulous looking snake, sly and cunning and, and malicious, this great dragon, the ancient serpent, also called the devil, the accuser, the slanderer, or, or Satan it says, the one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Thrown down where? That, that's where I live. Well, if he calls war in heaven against almighty, most high God and his angels, I think he's still doing the same kind of thing down here. That's why if you'll read your Bible, it says that God gave us armor. And it's customized to fit you perfectly. And you know something? Just because you got armor don't mean you know how to use it. Look at our military. Look at our law enforcement. They do a fantastic job, but they have to train. Train and train and train and train and train. And they become proficient with their armor and their weaponry. But they have to train. I wonder, have we trained to know how to use the armor of Almighty God? Think about that for a moment. Hmm. The moment that you and I connect with Christ, the moment that we accept Christ in us, we're in the fight. And some people, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't want to be in a fight. Well, the alternative is, if you're not in the fight, if you've not connected with Christ, then you're just a POW. Does anybody know what that is? Prisoner of war. I'd rather be in the fight than in a cell, locked up, abused, and mistreated. So once we connect with Christ, we're in the fight. And he's given us armor so we can be victorious. And uh, if we're not connected, we're just a POW. And if you are connected and you're in the fight, and then you kind of wander off course, you've drifted back into the state of being a prisoner of war. And, and you can get out of there if you know how. And you can move on if you want to. Those um, who have gone wandering, what do they call that in the army? A deserter, AWOL, you know. And you end up as a deserter or AWOL, you end up in the brig back here. Or you end up as a prisoner of war again, you know. This is what it says in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11. It says, their king, this third of these, these angels and all, the fallen angels, their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. His name in the Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, the Polyon, and, and that means what? Destroyer. That's, that's the devil who fought in heaven, and he is still fighting a battle right now. And you may not know it. You, you may not. Let me tell you something I've, I've discovered. Uh, well, 
Have you, anybody here ever been tubing down a river? On inner tube or uh, we've done it without a tube before, you know, or on a little uh, board or something or another. And uh, we've done it at nighttime. That's wild, you know. But, but imagine hopping in the uh, Farmington River or the Housatonic River and you go for a few miles and you're in there. It's awesome, isn't it? It's fun, especially if it's on a hot day, you're getting cooled off and all. And it's just kind of relaxing. But there's one thing I learned about tubing down a river. You can only go downhill. Is, is that the way the water usually runs, downhill? And if all of a sudden you go, I don't want to go this way no more, I understand there's a big waterfall up there. They call it the Niagara, you know? And uh, it's like, I don't want to go. So you hop off of your inner tube and you just stand still. What do you begin to feel? Resistance. As long as you're going along with the current downhill, you don't feel no resistance. And some people, I ain't no devil, you know? Uh, you know, everything is like, as long as you go along with him, you don't feel no resistance. But if you stop, you begin to feel some resistance. And if you begin to try to repent, which means to change your direction and go back this way, you feel tremendous resistance, right? And just because you say, well, I don't feel no fight, no battle. Well, that's not a good thing. That means you're just kind of coasting downhill. No resistance. But when you dig in and go, I don't want to go downhill no more, then you begin to feel the resistance. But you're more than able to overcome that resistance. Greater is Christ who is in you than the devil that's in this world. And let me uh, just read some other names here. And every one of these things I'm going to read, it comes from several passages in the Bible. But to save us some time, I'm not going to read all the verses. But it says here, let me put my glasses on so I can see them. The devil is also not just a destroyer. He's also called the accuser of the brethren. Another passage, an adversary, the angel of light, the antichrist, Beelzebub. In another passage, he's referred to as Belial, the devil, the enemy, evil spirit, the father of all liars, little g, god of this world. The great red dragon, other passages, he's called Lucifer, man of sin, murderer, old serpent, power of darkness, prince of this world, prince of the power of the air, ruler of darkness. He's referred to as Satan. He's referred to as a serpent. He's referred to as a son of perdition. The devil is referred to as the tempter, the thief, the wicked one, the unholy trinity. And that's talking about the devil, you know, talking about the beast and the false prophet. In the end times, there's all these names and we should know our enemy. I'm not talking about getting buddy, buddy with him, but we should know our enemy who's doing his best to destroy us. We should know him and know him in his names and know how to fight against these things. The fight. So I'd like us to sing an old, 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 old hymn if we could together. We have that ready to go.
That's an old hymn, a mighty fortress, a castle. You know, a fortification is our God. And when we're in him, we're safe. When we're in relationship with him and we do what he tells us to do and he's given us something to wear, his armor, and by his Holy Spirit he teaches us to use the armor, to, to walk in victory for ourselves and for our families and so forth. It says here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, a final word. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. He didn't say be strong in the power you get from a gym. He didn't say be strong in the power you get from some steroids or all kinds of other ways that you can obtain some physical power. But he said, be strong with the Lord's mighty power and it is available to each and every one of us. And it says, put on half of God's armor. Oh, put on all of God's armor. Don't leave a little opening. Don't leave a little cheek there that the enemy of our soul can get through. It says, put on all of God's armor so you will be able to stand firm against, what's the, the next word there? All the strategies and the tricks of the devil. Now, the devil has been working for thousands of years trying to figure out how to destroy man. I'm only 63 years old. Some of you here may be a little older than I am, but not that much. And, and, and the devil has been working for thousands of years looking how to trick, developing a strategy for our failure. And he will work at it for years. He will work at it for years and years and years and years to destroy us. He has a strategy. And he comes, the Bible says, as an angel of uh, light. He don't look like we think the devil would look. But it tells us to put on all the armor so we will be able to stand firm in the fight. Stand firm against all the strategies and all the tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but we are fighting. But we're fighting against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. You can't see him. You don't know, well, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Do we have enough of discernment to perceive, is this good or is this bad? And he says here, but we're uh, fighting against the evil rulers of, and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. And I'm telling you, this fight that we are in is more real than World War I, World War II, and all the other battles that we've ever been in, including terrorists and ISIS. The battle that we fight day in and day out and at nighttime is more real and has the potential of being more destructive than all the physical battles we've ever fought on this whole earth. All those were inspired by the devil, to be honest with you, in the first place. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 says, But I fear that somehow you will be led away from your pure and simple devotion to Christ, just as Eve was deceived by that serpent. The strategies, the tricks. He works and works and works and works to try to trick us to where we think it's good. Oh, it looks good, but it's got a hook in it. 
And he goes on to say in verse 14, Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. Have you ever seen in a story, a movie, you picture an old witch dressed in a black with her pointed hat there and she's all wrinkled and, and kind of got a big, big old, uh, what do they call those warts, a, a hairy wart growing on the end of her nose there, you know. You know what I'm talking about? But she can cast a little spell on herself and temporarily, for just a little bit, become the most beautiful woman on the planet. Can you imagine that? Somebody marries her in her beautiful state and wakes up on the honeymoon day and is like, ah! Well, that's the way the devil comes at us because he is all dark and destructive on the inside. But he can camouflage himself like an angel of light for a little brief time to mislead us and to, to misguide us and to try to persuade us that things that we know deep down inside are, are wrong and evil. Oh, that's okay. That's all right to do that, you know. Well, they do it. Angel of light, maybe. You know, a deceiver, a strategy, a trick to get us to take a hold of something that looks good, but it's got a hook in it. You know, and all fishermen who want to catch a fish, they have this beautiful bait there, but it's got a hook in it to catch them, and they lose their freedom. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, Satan will not outsmart us. I like that statement. Satan will not outsmart us, for we are very familiar with his evil schemes. If you're in this book at all, you'll learn the strategies and the schemes and the tricks of the devil you'll have the discernment to recognize good and evil where so many people in this world we live now, they don't know the difference between. But we have been involved into this fight. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be careful! Exclamation mark. Be careful! Watch out! Be alert here, you know. Always looking everywhere. Looking, watching out, you know, that you can resist, you know. Be careful. Watch out for attacks. This assault will come at us, forceful, powerful, hostile, and and violent with intent, intent to destroy us. Be careful. Watch out for attacks from the devil. Your, what's it say? Not just your enemy, your great enemy, your greatest enemy, whose goal is to destroy us and anything dear to us. Let me tell you, the devil ain't your pal. I've heard people tell me, eh, I'm going to go to hell, you know. We're going to go, party down there. I'll be the devil's right-hand man. Oh, no, you won't. He's really deceived you. There ain't no partying in hell. It is a place of horror and torment. The devil has no buddies, just so you know that. If you think that, he has really deceived you big time. And it says, Satan will not outsmart us. 2 Corinthians 2.11, for we are very familiar with his evil schemes. We know if we spend time here and we'll recognize as we was reading in 1 Peter 5.8, be careful, watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls and he's always on the prowl. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim. That don't sound good. How many of y'all want to be a victim? To find a victim, a Christ follower, a victim 
to devour, and he eats lost sheep. You know, in the Bible, it talks about the shepherd would leave the 99. It puzzled me as a young fella. Why would he leave 99 sheep to go and find one lost? Because the 99 are surely more valuable than just one. Now, if the one was me, sure, I wanted him to come find me, but it don't make sense to lose 99 in order to get one. But the truth of it is, a lion will never attack the whole flock of sheep. Sheep are pretty powerful. I don't know if you know that. We had sheep once upon a time, and one butted me in the, the leg right here, and I couldn't hardly walk for three weeks, you know? It's like, what are you talking about? Lion ain't going to attack the flock of sheep, but he will attack. Oh, he loves to devour the loners, the ones that get away from the rest of the flock, you see. He wants to devour them. It says in Ephesians 4.26, And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Did you know that anger is sin? When it gains control over you, it's sin. And he says, don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. You got to fight it off. Don't let it get a hold of you. Don't let it gain control over you. And he says, and don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. God allows us one day to get it dealt with. Get it dealt with and do not go to bed until you have dealt with your anger. You know, the, the Bible tells us. Now, imagine this for just a moment. If you're getting ready to go to bed, probably somebody in your house regularly goes to bed last and they always check the door, make sure the door is closed and locked, right? So you go up there to your door and you get ready to close the door and you're trying to close the door, but something's jamming the door and there's this great big size 13 boot. It's filthy, it's stinking, covered in mud, and there's an old dirty blue jean sticking in the boot, and it's going up like this. There's no lights on outside. So there's somebody has got their foot in your door, and you can't shut the door. Or you going to go, man, I can't get the door shut. Well, I'm just going to go on to bed. <laughs> Would you do that? No way. Because I can promise you, whoever's blocking that door from locking and keeping him out, he intends to kill steal and destroy from you while you sleep, from you and your family. That's his intention. So you cannot go to bed until you get that door shut and locked. Listen to what this verse says. It says here in Ephesians 4.26, And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. And if you go to angry, go to bed angry, I am telling you, it's worse than you can ever imagine what the devil does in your minds and in your thoughts and in your health and in your finances and in your children. When you go to bed angry, you've allowed him to have, what did he say here? A mighty foothold. You've given the devil a mighty foothold and sickness and, and you name it. All that has to do with killing, stealing, and destroying, you've opened yourself and your children and your family, your household and everything that's dear to you, you've opened it up for him to do his destructive thing while you sleep. That's what the Bible tells us. You know, an irritation in the heart of a believer 
is always an invitation for the devil to stand by. He sees you upset. Husband and wife, parents and kids, you're upset. You're, you're agitated at each other. And the devil's just like, okay, here's a good one. He's just standing by. He sees an opportunity to unveil itself in a moment for him to get his foot in your door. And when you're angry, you're not even going to care if the door is closed. You're, you're angry and you've left the door unlocked with the devil with a mighty foothold in there and he will do his worst while you sleep. That's what the Bible's telling us right here. Imagine in the wintertime, one small little crack in the sidewalk, right? Gets some rain and it freezes. The crack gets bigger, right? It rains again. Gets in there. It's in the winter. It gets cold. It freezes. The crack is bigger. It, 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 it rains some more and it, it freezes in that crack and, and the crack is bigger. And before you know it, you got an oak tree growing in that crack. Do you allow the devil to, to put just a little crack? Just get, get his foot. Just, a, just, just crack the door just a little bit. So you don't know your enemy. You don't know what his intent is while you sleep with anger in your soul. You don't understand him. It tells us in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6, and this is, you know, Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and God's talking, and he says, why are you, talking to Cain, who killed his brother, Abel said, why are you so angry? And the Lord asked him. See, jealousy always leads to anger. Why do you look so dejected? Tell me, so depressed and miserable. Verse 7 says, you will be accepted if you respond in the right way. And the right way to respond to God is in faith. To fight, you fight the good fight of faith, the Bible says. You fight the good fight of faith, your armor. You have the shield of, uh, shield of faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And we need to understand this. He says, you will be accepted if you respond in the right way. God's talking to him. But if you refuse to respond correctly, then watch out. Sin is waiting to attack and destroy you. And you must subdue it. You must fight it. You must win this battle. Well, you know what? Our time is up. So I got so many things I want to. Good stuff I want to tell you. But I'm just going to read you one more story and we'll close. In Haiti, a certain man wanted to sell his house for $2,000. Another man wanted badly to buy it. But because he was poor, he couldn't afford the full price. After much bargaining, the owner agreed to sell the house for half of the original price with just one stipulation. He would retain ownership of one small nail protruding from just over the front door. After several years, the original owner wanted to buy the house back. But the new owner was unwilling to sell. So the first owner went out and found the carcass of a big dead animal and hung it from the nail that he owned at the front door of the house. Soon the house became unlivable. Maggots and flies and disease began to contaminate the whole house. 
Hmm. And it forced the family to sell the house back to the original owner of the nail. Now, see, if we leave the devil with even one small nail that is his, oh, we, we got cleaned up pretty good, but we've left one little area, maybe something we look at or we read or we watch or one little area, and then he can come and hang his rotting garbage of death in our life. And Christ is not going to live in that. You know, you think about that for a moment. Now, in just a couple of moments when we uh, dismiss, let me see if I have it back here. Yeah. In just a few moments when you leave, the ushers will have it all the doors. So nails. Now this is not the devil's nail. Just so you know, this is my nail. All right, I'm giving it to you. We would not bring the devil's nail into our house, would we? But this is our nail that we're going to look at. And we're going to put it somewhere in our house to remind us not to give the devil even one nail, not one little tiny place in our life. That's what it's going to be. So when you get at home, just take a hammer, just nail it in the wall somewhere. No, you better ask your wife before you do that, you know. But hopefully you'll put that nail somewhere that you'll see it and you'll remember, you know what? I'm not going to give the devil one little place in my life where he can hang his rotting, filthy garbage of death. I'm not going to allow him to have a place like that. And I'm not going to be angry. Uh, uh, we might get angry, but we'll settle it before we go to bed. Because we're not going to give a mighty foothold to the devil either, are we? No way. We don't want that because we know what his tactics are. Well, there's so much I want to tell you, but we just can't get to now. But what we will talk about next week, we're going to talk about the armor of God and how you and I can use it, practical ways, right now to help us and our families, our health and our wealth and everything that's related to us. How can we use God's armor to walk in victory? He tells us right here in this book. And we're going to learn that together, how we can walk victorious and how we don't give the devil no foothold. And we're not going to give him not even one little nail. Thing of it is, we may have given him much more than nails, and we didn't recognize it was his. Because he comes as an angel of light to deceive us, to trick us, to destroy us, to ruin every good thing that's in us. That's the devil's tactic. So that's what we're going to talk about next week. So I just want to encourage you, be thinking about that, be praying about that, and recognize we can walk in victory. You can walk in victory. I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a fight. There is going to be a fight, like it or not. But God allows us to be in him, and this mighty fortress is our God. But he has armor for every one of us, and he tweaks it by his Holy Spirit to where it fits just right. And he teaches us how to use the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. He teaches us how to use our sword, helmet, 
breastplate, you know, belt of truth, loins, you know, and, and, and our feet shall with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He's given us armor. It's not just some fictitious, you know, uh, thing to entertain us. We're in a fight. We need to be equipped how to use the armor. We need to learn to recognize the devil in this day and time. And the Bible says, woe unto those who call good evil and evil good. And you see it all over us, everywhere. We call murdering of little babies, we call it good. They call it abortion, but we call that good because now you've got more free time. You're not tied down so much. I'm just showing you how far our nation has come from the truth. And there's a thousand other things that we, we call good that are evil and things that are evil that we call good. I mean, we, we've got it all, the prices tags have all been turned around. And, and, and I'm not talking about just a personal bias. I'm not talking about a political agenda. I'm talking about the truth. Are you going to listen to the father of all liars, which the Bible says the devil is, and he is determined to ruin you and your family. That's what his determination is. But through the armor of God, you and I can walk in full victory. Well, our time is up here, so let's just take a moment to pray. Father, I ask your blessings upon my brothers and sisters who are here, for those who are watching online. I ask that you would open our eyes and our hearts and our minds so we can grab a hold of your truth and that we can apply it and begin to walk in it and that we can be victorious, not just for ourselves, but for our families and our loved ones and our friends and our neighbors. Help us to walk in light, in truth, Lord. Give us the discernment to recognize the falsehoods, the things that would hurt us and destroy us. Lord, I ask you for a miracle. And Lord, that you would work in all of our hearts and our minds and that your truth would begin to grow and become alive. And Lord, that we would get better acquainted with you and we would live in close relationship with you, closer than we ever have before. Work a miracle, Lord, within every man, woman, boy, and girl in this building and everyone who watches online or ever watches or listens to a DVD or a CD of this message, set us free. And may we walk in great liberty and victory. As our heads are bowed, would you simply just reaffirm your faith with me in the Lord Jesus Christ and invite him, reaffirm your faith and invite him in. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me and I believe that's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he died in my place, paid for all of my sins, and I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I turn from those things. And I surrender all to Christ. I'll not even give a nail to the devil. I surrender it all to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.